0: Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for August 25th, 2019. Proper 16, 17, I'm not sure. 16. 16, 16. Uh, So welcome. We're coming to you not live from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And uh, we are really looking forward to continuing our discussion from the books of Jeremiah, Hebrews, and Luke. But before we do that... Uh, let us go into, uh, what I had been calling stump the priest, but on this Sunday I've picked a, uh, I've picked a word that I think will have some recognition, but I wanted to talk about it because the definition on the Episcopal Church website is kind of fascinating, so I kind of wanted to jump into it. Okay. Um, but, uh, the word is demythologize. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, what, what, before I get into the Episcopal, uh, the official Episcopal Church definition of demythologize, uh, what, what, what do you know about this word?
1: Well, it, what I know about this word is the academic pursuit of treating scriptures with sort of a cold, hard eye and. Trying to strip away supernatural pieces and getting to the essence of the teachings.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> <coughs> That's an aspect of it. But but what it, some of what they get into here, uh, I find kind of an interesting. They they uh, attribute it to it's mostly a specific person. So it says it it says that that word is a 20th century theological term that was used extensively by Rudolf Bultmann. Yeah. Uh, he understood the word myth to be a way to communicate one's faith to others in a time and culturally dependent way. For example, in the New Testament, the writers used the language and specific terminology of their own time to communicate their faith. But it is difficult for us in a different time and place to comprehend the message which is presented, to demythologize, Boltman argued, is to recognize the existential character of the faith and rephrase it in a contemporary form that will be easier for people of our day to comprehend. Some critics have argued that the term demythologize should be changed to re-mythologize, mm-hmm. admitting that any interpretation today is just as limited as... And time constrained as an interpretation from an earlier century in the history of the church.
1: I do agree with that last part for sure.
0: Yeah, well, that was yeah. the part that I thought was kind of interesting. It is. Was because it's it's kind of rebranding it and making it our own and and, and active interpretation, uh, recognizing the constraints of uh, social constructs and and uh, and, and who these uh, uh, these readings were initially uh, um, um, written for, which is something that. I enjoy delving into great detail on this podcast, this very yeah. podcast. Um, but I liked the fact that the definition also then, uh, turns its eye on ourselves, ourselves and our own process here and acknowledges that our current interpretation in our, uh, living lives, uh, is also constrained by right. the bubble in which we live and, uh, and, and, uh, should not be then, uh, the, follow-up, I guess, would be, then we are not to, uh, then this is never a perfected process. It's an ongoing um, living experience of of reading the Word of God.
1: And so we should have humility about our interpretation and proclamation of it. And the other dimension of it is that because it's culturally dependent, what may be extremely important to me in Fishers, Indiana in 2019 may be Completely trivial to someone living in another country on this right at the same time right
0: and we've, we've delved into this uh, Even very recently have on some of these uh, these uh, readings and these books that we're about to yeah. go back to uh, talking about um, You know the way we as Americans re- uh, right. Look at things and how socially we're very inward focused and so like uh, certain readings read odd to us in fact this last Sunday uh, uh, just had uh, had one uh, very much like that. That the, the the terminology used in the the gospel reading in Luke was very uh, kind of upsetting to our modern sensibilities of it of uh, of language constructs and, yeah. and what it means mean to us. Yeah, and that it was uh, very very different for uh, the time and place of where it was written.
1: Yeah, yeah, so. you can. Um... Either listen to the last podcast or listen to the last sermon to hear, hear a little more about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on and uh, demythologize ourselves uh, uh, <laughs> as here, best we can. As best we can. Uh, our first reading is Jeremiah chapter one verses four through ten. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations." Then I said. Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations nations. And over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Um, more disruptive imagery uh, here at the tail end of the uh, of the reading, uh, similar to uh, reading, readings readings uh, in weeks past. Very uh, not so much. I mean, this one is a little bit more direct in saying like destroy and and, right. and, and and things like that. But readings in the past couple of weeks have been like upsetting status quo and yeah. And 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 this kind of continues in that same tradition. But this story itself, Jeremiah chapter one, this is the foundation of the, basically the whole book. So this is Jeremiah Correct. talking about himself, his own experience as a prophet
1: uh, in, for in, God,
0: in his call from God. Right. Um. He he falls into the very. Standard trap of pretty much everybody in the Old Testament. of Who am I? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that's not even just the uh, <laughs> Old Testament. That's pretty much the whole Bible. Uh,
1: and hopefully all time. Right. <laughs> all people who encounter God. It should be our first response it should be quite a bit of humility. I suppose that is true. Uh
0: I'm not entirely sure I want to meet the person who goes, Ah, God, finally. <laughs>
1: I'm right. glad you're here. I've been waiting. I, I've been waiting. <laughs> got a few things i got to do. I was wondering glad when
0: would my... acknowledge my, uh, my talents here. Glad you're on my team now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming aboard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we really need someone to do the website. No one's willing to. <laughs>
0: <But> that's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, um, so, so uh, th- this is... The, the, the first part of this, uh, uh, chapter 5, is is fairly commonly referenced uh, in, in lots of sermons, right? Uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, appointed you a prophet to the nations. Uh, is this just speaking to, it, it, basically laying the groundwork for, like, destiny? Like, is this like a... Um, um, don't is is this like his his way of saying like uh what I have to tell you is God breathes, so don't question it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and it one of the things we to keep in mind is one of the the repeated themes in the Hebrew Scriptures is creation mm-hmm. that there's not just a single creation story of all of existence, and so this brings us back to thinking about the eternal god who created everything including jeremiah mm-hmm. so it's it's not so much to lift up jeremiah as to bring us into the awareness of the universal cosmic dimension of god's interaction with humanity okay that it, it's it's something that has been occurring long before jeremiah came along occur long after jeremiah uh, leaves the earth dies and so is a lesson for all of us even today of yes god is here and it is <laughs> for lack of a better term the great big god we're talking about mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. isn't just some little tiny the god. god with the capital g right <laughs> who, who put it all together and so we should respond appropriately to that
0: gotcha um i i in my mind uh verse nine uh the lord uh put out his hand and touch my mouth, uh, uh, in my mind, uh, that's God going, shh, 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 sh, and putting a finger over his mouth. And now I put my words in your mouth. Shh, sh, sh.
1: That's <laughs> a neat interpretation. Right? Um, because, frankly, that, that's not an interpretation commonly found by A lot a of my interpretations
0: are not commonly found. That's anywhere. true. <laughs> but this is a good one.
1: <laughs> you have demythologized this yeah. in an interesting way. Um, because usually, what people say, well, remember Isaiah's call, where the in the in the um, vision, a uh, hot coal is placed on mm-hmm. his tongue, that the the touching of the lips is the transmission of the divine word to the prophet. But yeah, a big part of being a prophet is making sure you only say God's stuff and not your own stuff. Right. So yeah, the sh- sh- that works. I I really like there that. There you go. Good for All you. Right. Hey, thanks. I feel so accomplished. Let's just quit. Let's, let's yeah.
0: <laughs> done, this
1: has been <laughs> done for the week.
0: <laughs> um, uh, but uh, any anything else about the, the uh, th- this reading? Uh, I, I I guess I I have one other question uh, about just in general about Jeremiah because I don't think when we started uh, a couple of weeks ago on the readings here, Jeremiah, Hebrews, uh, and Luke, I don't think I asked the question uh, roughly do you have any idea uh, in the top of your head or in the back of your mind jeremiah when it was like written as far as like uh time frame goes um how well, we, far back uh and is, was this actually written by jeremiah or people who studied his uh his writings and kind of put together the book later or how did, how did this book come about I guess?
1: well it it for single author Okay. So it's not like Isaiah. Not like Isaiah, where there's three. Three. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry,
0: sorry to the Isaiah reading that we're not doing this week. Right. <laughs> but we had options. We had options. We chose Jeremiah.
1: And it's um, was written probably around 627 by the historic markers that are within the book and the literary structure of it. 627 BC. BC. Just, yes. to, just to be clear. Yeah. Um, right. That's right. Uh, and had to do with the time in which the Assyrian Empire was beginning to fall apart, because mm. they were becoming weaker, and so a lot of the countries they conquered were beginning to revolt against uh, against the Assyrians. Uh,
0: the, the, the The Jewish pe- were the Jewish were people among them. Par- uh, among them, and were they successful in revolting against the Assyrian Empire, or did they? Yeah, but then so they got serious. conquered by
1: the Babylonians. So. <laughs>
0: A long series yeah. of, yeah, we're free,
1: uh, not anymore. But of course, the Hebrew Scriptures cover thousands of years, basically, right? And so, for most countries, they go, th- most regions go through similar cycles of different governments and mm-hmm. all. Um, so it's not like they were particularly blessed or cursed; they were just sort of normal. Yeah, gotcha.
0: Was, uh, was Jeremiah, or uh, are we for sure that Jeremiah himself is the author, or is is there maybe some indication that this might be more about him than by him?
1: There's no reason not to stick that name on here and keep it there. I gotcha. Does that make sense?
0: I suppose so.
1: <laughs> um, I suppose it'll
0: have to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's no sense that there's a derivative or you know, uh author saying, I really like Jeremiah, so I'm going to try to impersonate him on page. Right. Um but yeah, so. it's definitely written as though. Yeah. It's, it's and if himself. that's the name the author choose, chose to use, then we'll respect right. that.
0: And uh, then, then if that is, if we take that on its face, then the, the assumption would be this is a look back uh, in, in a way as his time as a prophet, maybe right. not necessarily, uh, you know, deathbed well, confessions or anything like that. But he will have, he at the time of writing this, he would have been a prophet for some time and had experiences as a prophet. Yeah, Uh, within the nation, within the region, um, to look back and make and write these on.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how long he was active as a prophet. Um, Most most of the prophets were active for a very short time, with the exception of someone like um, Nathaniel. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I just
0: sometimes because they were killed. Yeah,
1: uh, and other times they faded into obscurity. Um, So I. If i'm just saying off the time i think jeremiah was just a few years active okay. but i could be wrong on that
0: very cool anything else on jeremiah or we want to move on to hebrews
1: we should probably go ahead and move on
0: all right so continuing in hebrews uh, a long-standing tr- um uh, uh, reading in hebrews um <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice of
0: you to say so <laughs> well, well it, most are it's just we we uh are not bouncing around as we do in other seasons right now we're kind of just continuing on um, in order through and, in order through all, all three right now it's all three books um mm-hmm. so uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how long that continues but uh, it kind of gives you a good sense of the repetition and you oh yeah that's right last week was this okay
1: yeah in luke in luke and jeremiah though we are skipping around whereas hebrews, it's around? almost going through and one week pick up the next week gotcha
0: so hebrews chapter 12 verses 18 through 29 you have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And to innumerable angels to in festival gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, see that you do not refuse the one who is speaking, for if they do not escape when they refuse the one when they refused the one who warned them on earth how much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns from heaven all that all that time at that time his voice shook the earth and now has, he has promised yet once more i will shake not only the earth but also the heaven this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of what is shaken that is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us give thanks by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for indeed our God is a, is a consuming fire. Um, again, I want to do the same thing with Jeremiah. I don't think I d- did this in the past weeks. The book of Hebrews written by... Don't know. Not entirely sure. Right. Okay. Uh, about when?
1: Oh, about Roughly... when? Um, it, It's certainly after the earlier epistles... Um, could be roughly concurrent with the writing of the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. So you know, roughly right around 100 or a little before, like 180 or BCE, depending on how you want to label that. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's actually one of the last, one of the most recent books in the New Testament. So therefore, anywhere in the scriptures. Gotcha. Um,
0: and again, uh, if you've if you listened to weeks past, uh, the past week we had talked about uh, fire not being uh, a necessarily a brimstone and fire kind of punishment kind of a right. kind of a deal, but a cleansing or purification or making by through which the process of making something better yeah occurs. So um, um, you have not come to something that can be touched. A blazing fire. Now it does say and darkness and gloom and a tempest. Um, the the imagery is is kind of interesting like how, where how, what are how are we supposed to interpret this because there's a
1: so I'll put you on the spot okay so what does come to your mind in hearing those words um, I think
0: I think of something that uh, it's outside of my control um, now maybe the sound of a trumpet uh, is more that's more, seems more like it would be a call to action um, of, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg. That not another word be spoken to them. It's uh, um, it does seem like things to want to you'd want to avoid.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and what it, it almost certainly is referring to is the gift of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Okay. Which is a lot nicer than what we might think when we first read those words. Yeah. 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 It's not. It's not about brimstone. It's not about. Punishment is not about hell. It's instead about the, the gift of the Ten Commandments and the other sections of the law that were given to Moses. Uh-huh. And how the people um, of Moses were kind of, well, were rebellious against it almost immediately. If not immediately. Right. In part because it was so hard. Yeah. Know? They didn't get just to do their own thing anymore. They weren't simply free freed. From slavery, but now they had obligations, responsibilities, and a relationship with a divine being that they really weren't aware of before.
0: Right. With new expectations. With
1: yeah. new expectations. So mm-hmm. was, uh, not getting to do their own thing. So this is harkening back
0: all the way back to that, because I mean, obviously the, the 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 verse does delve into the story of Moses and talks yep. about how, uh, the the, uh, the the Mount Zion being so holy. Uh, um, or, or sorry, the mountain that he was on uh, initially. Um, I'm not entirely sure if those two verses are talking about the same. No, they're, I, different I think mounts. they're different mountains. Uh, but the mountain that that Moses received the Ten Commandments and came down from. Um, it's harkening back to that story. So I guess I didn't realize that the first verses were also talking about the same yeah. kind of a, kind of a situation. Um, if you're actually reading the word, uh, it, it does put the Moses information in parentheses. So it does kind of, uh, indicate that it is tied to the first two verses, mm-hmm. uh, visually with the way it's written, but, um, visually with the way it's written. I'm not entirely sure that makes sense.
1: Maybe. Printed. There yeah. you go.
0: Yeah. Um, but, um, so that, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know as if I would have uh, made that connection initially. And
1: what may have been easier is in that in the first verse we have today, the verse eighteen, where it says, "You have not come to something." Instead of something, it's also uh, almost equally valid translation to have mountain. Oh, okay. So you've come to a mountain that can be touched. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched. Blah, 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 blah. So gotcha. that would have put you in the mood for mountains. Let's see, what's the most important mountain that we've heard about right. so far in the scripture? Oh, the mountain where Moses climbed to have that very intimate time with God.
0: Uh, so you haven't come to that mountain, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festival gatherings. So you've come to Jerusalem. Uh, yeah. Jerusalem as... Uh, as it, like is this more like the prophetic Jerusalem, well, the Jer- Jerusalem of uh, where heaven touches earth and, and God's this, kingdom is made known and that kind of a deal? Or to,
1: to use your your term of the day, to demythologize this, mm-hmm. they at that time they did not have the intellectual division between experience, meaning, and past, so. If you went to the temple in Jerusalem, uh, before its destruction, and worshiped there, you were worshiping in the heavenly Jerusalem simultaneously. Okay. And you were worshiping in the on the original Mount Zion that God proclaimed to be holy. You were you were in eternity gotcha. when you were um, part of the experience of worshiping in the temple.
0: That that's a pretty heavy dosage of mythos then.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And Actually, within Christianity, in many ways, we're supposed to think that way and believe that way, but it's awfully hard for us to do so, to think that every Eucharist, the term we use, is the foretaste of the heavenly banquet Mm -hmm. and is being celebrated in the communion of saints, which means all the people who have died before us, all are part of that sacred meal that's being um, consumed and celebrated. It's... Quite a um, stretch for many literal-minded Americans mm-hmm. to to keep that, or even to approach that imagery, let alone keep it in their mind during the one hour on a Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, that I I, I was just going to say that, that that yeah, as as uh, as Americans or modern-day humans, maybe even uh, in general, but Americans specifically, uh, very inward-focused on, on on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So. Um, this concept uh, of, of, of that, that's supposed to be more communal is a lot more difficult, I think, for us, too.
1: Communal, eternal, transcendent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Orthodox traditions within Christianity, Greek Orthodox, etc., tend to be more comfortable with this. They're a lot more mystical. And that's one of the reasons why their uh, weekly worship has lots of incense and bells and processions to try to draw the congregation into a mystical state of mind Mm -hmm. so that they really are pulled out of the everyday, even as their feet are still literally firmly on the ground, they have a sense that they're part of an eternal meal, uh, an eternal and transcendent reality. Gotcha. And we believe the same thing, we're just, we're not nearly as good as communicating it. Okay.
0: Uh, and what what about the uh, the tail end of uh, uh or really the second half of of this reading? So you know you haven't come to that mount. You've come to this mountain. Uh, is this basically is this kind of like redirecting the mythos of that concept then? Because he starts talking about um, uh and the Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and, and uh, uh, talking about uh, shaking um, and not only the earth but also the heaven. And it kind of implies like a, it almost has kind of like an end of times kind of vibe to it, yeah. at least to our modern sensibilities, yeah. uh, um, and explains it for, for the uh, the dumb reader like me. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal <laughs> of what is shaken, that is, created things. I assume that's us, is like, we're, we're or, talking about you from the earth, right? Is that not what he's kind of saying? or
1: Well... I don't think it's about uh well it is about any any part of creation.
0: I, I'm an, I'm a selfish American. Everything, right. in the mind Everything is about everything's about me.
1: me. <laughs> because one of the things to keep in mind is when this was written, there was increasingly um, there was revolution in the air. Okay. And so there was a, trying to help people direct themselves away from the political struggles and um, to a certain extent, arms, armed struggles. They're beginning to take place against the Romans and keep people focused on God and focused on the message of Jesus rather than simply saying the kingdom of God can be brought in. If we overthrow the Romans and restore the, um uh, Jewish hierarchy, Jewish, I'm sorry, Jewish, uh, kingship and mm-hmm. all its hierarchy to, uh, our territory, uh, the author here is saying, "No, no, no, no. This you're looking way too short-term, and just looking after your own desires. Mm. Focus on God.
0: The, these these so, desires are will be shaken out, and and what will remain is
1: more important. Well, and basically, you'll be disappointed if mm. you count on the things that can be shaken down. Focus on the things that are eternal. So, literally, your house can be shaken down, and you know, as a native Californian, I'm used to that imagery.
0: Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Earthquakes."
1: Right. Um, which were very common in the territories in which Jesus walked and early Christians walked. And so the concept of things being shaken down for destruction actually probably were more relevant than concepts of fire for mm-hmm. destroying things. That's sort of an aside. But you know, don't don't think your house is going to stand there eternally because, you know, about every 70 years stone houses have to be rebuilt because of a major enough earthquake. In the same way, if you count on, the strategies and priorities of humans, you're going to be disappointed. So focus on the things that are eternal, the things that are of God. Hmm. Interesting.
0: Yeah. And it does go in and in, in, in say that specifically of, of uh, th- this. I'm talking about a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Right. Uh, so remember from all you know your history and past that kingdoms come and kingdoms go, yep. but I'm talking about something that will be forever. So the yep. current tur- turmoil, turmoil you're experiencing is nothing new and yep. is not going to lead to anything new.
1: Right. It'll Put be, that aside. It'll be the same old, same old. Right. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, then let's move on to let's Luke move on. 13, verse 10 through 17. Um, and that reads, I'm not going to go into who wrote this. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Been
1: there, we're done we're that. good on
0: Luke. Uh Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands upon her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away? He leaded away to give it water, and not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who, whom Satan bound for eighteen years long, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day. When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he had done. Um, I think you had indicated before we started doing this that this is a uh, this is this story is not found in. Right, the other gospels.
1: Yeah, it's only in Luke. It's only a unique, in Luke. The unique story. Um,
0: although I think the concept of working on Sabbath day is is in many of them. Uh, just right. Jesus gets tested on a number of things, but uh, uh, whether or not it's it's a, a, a sin or or against the rules to work mm-hmm. on Sabbath uh, has comes up in more than just
1: Luke. Um, and yeah, it comes in up uh, multiple times too. It's a. Uh, unless you sit down and, and read through any gospel you choose, it, you may not realize how often this controversy is brought up, the Sabbath controversy, as people right. call it. So this, um, this is the third time already in Luke. Oh, really? And in the next chapter, there's, there's another one. It's a big deal. It is a
0: big deal. Um, so for context, though, um, one of the things that it seems I, – I, coming up four times uh, and, and Luke uh, I, I would assume Luke especially uh, focuses on is that the the laws and traditions of the the, the people of the time were had had ballooned uh, coupling it with this Moses story that we were talking about mm-hmm. just recently uh, Moses' commandments were ten. And by the time that we get or the commandments, Moses handed the down, Big Ten. The, we're the Big Ten. By the time of uh, uh, Christ's time on Earth, they had ballooned to hundreds of laws, I, rules, regulations,
1: and actually, in, even in the the books that are attributed to Moses, which we don't think historically is accurate, but theologically is crucial is crucial to understand the opening books of the Hebrew scriptures, there are, I forget the exact number, but hundreds of okay. laws that are attributed to Moses. So there's this sense they are ancient and foundational. Gotcha. Well beyond the, the Ten Commandments.
0: Uh, is this Jesus pointing out, like, look, sometimes you have trouble seeing past your own nose on this issue. And, yeah. And yes, there's a rule about remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy, but do you have to be so literal
1: on everything
0: right. and is is does that mean that you can't do uh at, at uh do things that are in the name of God on that day that are merciful right, right. that you stop suddenly stop with your walk with God because it's the sabbath
1: <laughs> yeah and and in defense of the the tradition at the time of Jesus and um and, and therefore, this can apply to current Christians who are so seemingly rigid mm-hmm. in their um, way of life. The idea is to really, really, really make sure that one is being faithful to God and God's desires. And so if God says, don't step one step, don't step two steps just to make sure. Right. And... So one of the old images um, by the rabbis is that there is a fence around the teachings that helps everyone not even get close to violating the teachings. The fence is built out. I forget exactly within the metaphor, the historic metaphor, how far the fence is built out. But the idea is this is to really protect the people from tripping and Mm -hmm. accidentally violating one of God's um, rules. What Jesus has identified clearly in Luke is that's not the approach to take. Mm-hmm. That instead, we are, if if we're going, it's better that we, we step in the direction of, of mercy, even if that's stepping on one of the rules, than not to walk in the way of mercy in order to protect a rule. Right. So, for instance, um, let's talk about Ten Commandments for a moment we may have to be disrespectful to a parent in order to help the parent be healthier. Mm. So that it'd be merciful to the parent to counter their healthcare wishes for a moment. And I don't want to take my medicine this evening as, uh, as an adult who's taking care of his or her uh, parent. Yes, we are violating one of the ten commandments, but we are being merciful and therefore that's an appropriate violation. Right.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, giving color context to these rules aren't interpreted, you know, they're, they're, they are pliable. They are to be, they are guidelines. They're not, they're not hard and fast.
1: Well, again, it's de myth, mythologize, de- mythologize. De- mythologizing. Yes. Got it out. Yay. Um, uh, there was a context in which, for which they were created. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that context has fallen away, but we need to keep the foundational meaning, which is, They are there to help us have an ethical life, a close relationship with God, and uh, a a sense of holiness within our day-to-day activities. Mm -hmm. That Sunday is not the only holy day. Every day is holy. And one of the ways that the tradition had gotten off track by the time of Jesus was making it appear that only the the Sabbath counted as a holy day.
0: Right. Right. No, I, I like that. I like that. That's a, that's an interesting way to, to, to view it. Good job, Jesus. Yes.
1: <laughs> we approve. <laughs> uh,
0: anything else about, uh, Luke?
1: Could go on and on, but I should wrap it up.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, well, if you would like to know more about these readings, uh, we invite you to join us at uh service of, uh, uh here at the Holy Family on eight at eight and 10 this Sunday. Um, obviously uh, as with uh, every sunday we'll be posting though the uh, the 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 sermon on the podcast as well, uh, and uh, so if you are traveling, this is this is the season by which a lot of people are uh, uh, taking kids to uh, either their uh, uh, repeating year at college or for some for some yeah. their first
1: emptiness um, season.
0: So uh, uh, we are with you. Uh, we we right. uh, th- this at, at this point in time, and uh, we're here for you. Hopefully, that if you are missing our service, uh, you are able to catch it a different way, uh, and and still uh be able to see how well bruce does on uh, interpreting this into a homily or how poorly
1: that's right and (laughs) yeah and this for all the kids at college yes uh, this can be your i didn't get to church but i did listen to the podcast
0: there you go you can tell your parents that's right Church in, church in 10 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah we definitely welcome you to to uh, experience uh, the service in any way that in shape or form that you can uh, next next week uh, we start our donut season back up <laughs> so uh, you kind of want to be there if you can be there I mean good donuts yeah donuts don't travel very well over, the, over no. there over no. uh, <laughs> online. so but uh, here here's a I'll send you a, a, a donut emoji So
1: enjoy,
0: (laughs) enjoy. But uh, with that, uh, we really appreciate you joining us. This has been your podcast for August 25th. Did I get that right? 25th, 2019? I think so. Seven days from now. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we we look forward to uh, you joining us next time. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye.